you know, the most beautiful concert or the most, I would not say perfect, but the most rewarding concerts, it's not mm, last mistake concerts, but then the concerts that I felt the most engaged with the music, with myself and the music, and inevitably re audience receive as well. Welcome back to the Piano Pod. I am your host, Yukimi Song. Thanks for tuning in for the second half of Season 3, Episode 14 with a guest, Dr. Ji-Yoon Kim. Hope you enjoyed Part 1 of this episode. In Part 2, we're going to tackle some philosophical topics like how do we define success as musicians and how can we keep the classical music industry thriving and relevant in this fast-paced society and more. Before continuing the show, I want to welcome everyone listening to the Piano Pod for the first time. I'm a classical pianist and educator from New York City, passionate about creating a thriving and meaningful community of the classical music industry through this podcast. Please visit yukimisongstudio.com to find out more about my work. In each episode of the Piano Pod, I interview a guest speaker who has been breaking exciting new ground in the industry. Please rate the show and review it on your favorite podcasting platform because every rating review will help people find my show. So dear friends, here is part two of the Piano Pods season three, episode 14 with Dr. Ji Yoon Kim. Please enjoy the show. You are listening to The Piano Pod, where we talk to the brightest minds in the industry about how they are bringing the piano into the 21st century. And then I totally enjoyed reading your book whenever you're mm -hmm. ready. Actually, I knew of you from YouTube, you know, mm -hmm. one of the algorithms and then mm -hmm. triggers and I saw your video. But then afterwards, during the COVID time, I got an email from probably your publicist oh. to reach out to me because we started a podcast and then yeah. you just published a book, right? And then <laughs> we didn't get to interview you till now. I didn't get to, but I was reading the book during that time and it was very very good. And then starting out sort of, you know, it's intended for all the readers, not just limited to pianists. So <laughs> the way you're explaining, you know, this is like, this book is like a movement of sonata and then it goes like this. And then in each chapter, you have this sort of exercise for readers mm -hmm. to do certain things. And then the first chapter, first few chapters were I mean, easy to read. Then it gets actually quite deeper, philosophical. And then I was able to reread again, um, to just to prepare for this interview. And it was very encouraging. Can you tell me how it, it, this is structured and then what motivated you? What inspired you to write this book? I think, you know, I mean, the whenever you're ready is where, uh, where you come from is that every concert stage, often there's a stage manager holding that door to the stage and say, whenever you're ready. And then I look at that person and thinking, am I ready? Will I ever be ready? Um, but then I'm thinking deep, deep in that moment and create a courage and strength within myself and make a decision to walk towards the stage. And that, in order to make that transition into the split second of whenever you're ready to, okay, in order to make that transition, I have to do so million things daily basis. It's not just easy. Okay, I'm ready to go. It's so much of a mind training, so much of a how lifestyle reflects 
to that decision making. And so that I wanted to this book to be like a written concert. So that's why I structured in such a way the movements. That each movement has deal with a different topic. And the first movement about like perseverance, discipline, and then about second movement is negativity, and the creativity on the third movement, and fourth movement is about connection with oneself or others, and the fifth movement about the the body self, the the environment. Um, and then in between, there's intermission where I get to be a missionary of classical music again and talk about one of my favorite pieces. And there's a QR code there for, for them to go to listen to it. And then there's encore at the end. Um, and what what I was thinking is that whenever I prepare for a concert, it feels like a preparing for a life. And I often think that we all have a stage called a life. Whenever we have a difficult phone call, when we have to face a difficult decisions, a difficult conversation, uh, embark something new, unknown, life challenges us. But that very moment, like, you still, mm, I'm going to do it. That mm, is what I wanted to give the sense of inspiration, those of it strength um, to the readers in their performance of life. Whenever you are ready, and it's it's not like go, do it, but it's like I'm giving you a moment, and so when you're ready, you go, but it's on you. For musicians, I think they get it because they live that. Mm. But most more importantly, for other people, through the lens of classical musician, and by you going through my life, they realize, oh, that is a life that I do have a stage called life. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I wanted to this book to be not from someone who knows better, uh, went through more, but more as a fellow friends and fellow human being who struggles as much. And as if we are sitting in a cafe, very friendly, light, but empathetic, warm, honest, vulnerable, mm-hmm. so that we all go through this. It's not only you, me too. But this worked actually. This really helped. So that's why my voice is not dominant, but more of, hey, did you try that? I, it worked for me. Then you're like, you you know, maybe many, know many of these tools that I mentioned in the book already. But since because I say it, because you feel like I'm your friend, you think like, oh, maybe I try meditation. I know that's good, but maybe something out there mm-hmm. you know that was my goal for people to remind that these tools are already always there but from my delivery just mm-hmm. like the classical music through my performance they get it maybe there's one or two more people they pick up on those life tools to make their life better in the first movement of the book, you know, and I really appreciate you for clarifying the myths about becoming or being a pianist. Like everybody says, oh, you're so talented. You can just play, play on the fly, but you have no idea how much of a work, how much of <laughs> ups and downs of life to go through to get there, right? So, and I love the quote, it is not willpower, but habit that makes things happen. Because, you know, willpower is exhausting. <laughs> and that's why a lot of people quit. But the delayed gratification is a really difficult mm-hmm. lesson to learn and teach also. And 
So where is a good place to start learning this important lesson in life, like or delayed gratification, meaning building a good habit? I think as early as possible, which is right now, <laughs> it's good to place to learn. I I think it's important to know that every learning has the learning curves. Like boiling water, it wouldn't boil until 100 Celsius. But you all along, it has been boiling, but we don't feel it, you know. But we have to believe that we are making progress, even though we don't see a progress. And I think that is really important to for us to remind ourselves. I get frustrated too because I practice this much. I I thought it would get better, but it's not yet. But then it's not yet. It's not never, but it's not yet. So growth mindset is something that we can train ourselves. It's not like you have or you don't, but it's I can make it better. Maybe not yet, but I'm making it. You know. So I think focusing on the system, which is a habit, is the key because、mm-hmm. it's if I have to think when I'm going to practice a day every single day, have to think about it. It's exhausting already because my My day, I have to do this. I have to do that. When I'm gonna do it, it takes already like I'm exhausted even thinking about it. But if I have a habit of just a certain amount, not all the time, but certain amount of practice is right after breakfast. I'm gonna practice, let's say, an hour or two. Then that is secured no matter what because I became a habit after breakfast. Even though I have this complex, I don't want to practice. <laughs> I'm already sit down and play piano. And you know, it's funny people would think that it's my willpower to makes me practice every day, but it comes from I know why. I know already own why. Why is I love piano, right? But I don't question that why anymore. Once I own it, I don't question like, do I want to practice? Do I love piano? Like, of course, you love someone today, and you don't love to someone tomorrow because you know they so and so acted this way and. But it's an old couple. They love each other. They know, even though they hate each other, <laughs> they support themselves. You know each other. They do things for each other. They do it by showing the action,、mm-hmm. not by not feeling. It's so flimsy thing.、Mm-hmm. You know, you would focusing on. Oh, do I love piano? Do I love this person?、Mm-hmm. You know, the answer is that it will change every single day. In every hour, it might change. You know, so someday we like this, and someday we don't. We someday we angry, sometimes we happy, happy but joy, but sad. All of it is so flimsy. Our emotions are not reliable thing.、Uh, so if, once you own the love, why? Then I, even though I, I would think that like, oh, I hate practicing, but I ignore that chatter because I, I don't question that. I don't question the core meaning, but I sit down and play. Once I sit down and pl- practice it. Ninety-nine percent, ninety-nine time. I love it. You know, not maybe first five minutes. It's still there's a conflict, but then I get into certain section like, oh, this needs some cleaning up. Oh, this, oh, this is nice. You know, more likely thirty minutes pass by, an hour easy, and and then after an hour I feel good because I overcome myself. I I I made music. I actually enjoyed it. But if I question it when I do it. Then I already adjusted, and I don't think I would keep up with piano practicing. You know, I'm 42 years old. I started when I was four, 
38 years of practicing every day, forget it, right? <laughs> I mean, ask someone to do something constantly all the time other than eating and sleeping. You know, this is not major human, you know, instinct thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So for me, it's very important to make that transition easy as possible. I have to prioritize it and try not to think as much as possible, at least the first section of the practice. Then if I wanted to add more, some days more, some days less. So then whatever you wanted to add on to your life, if, if, if that is important to you, then own that why, really ask seriously why, because you can't go back and forth. So let's say that you know the exercise is important to you and you really want to make that working out as a part of your life, that you don't question that you want to do it or not want to do it. Once you own it, then make a system. Let's say you wanted to you know, work out every single morning. When? Like when after wake, wake up or after before breakfast, then make it a small, very, very small amount, like a 10 minutes of stretching and until you get that that habit into your system for at least, you know, a couple, a month or two, don't push yourself too much because you, you're, you have to have a longevity of a lifestyle, not like a month, gym ex gym every single day. And then <laughs> from the February, everybody's like, go back to their couch. You know, if you want something in your life, you have to start slow. Um, but then what I really emphasize is that the two day rule, which is, you can skip a day, but not two days in a row. I do skip a uh, practice sometime, but never two days in a row. So that rule gives me uh, some room to wiggle, but then ask myself gently back into the track. And, and then also not too hard on myself. Yes, we, you can skip a day, it's fine. The world still continues. But what is important is that you gain yourself again and continue. Um, so I think it's very, very important that, that you own why and then create a system that hopefully that system is actually right after you always do, which is eating is always good to uh, tag along or drinking coffee or something already existing habit, you build on to it and then make it small, very small. If you want to read a book, just read a one, one page, not a whole chapter, you know, and then but try every time you finish, you know, we always feel good. Like an hour of practice afterwards, I feel great. Then I remember that feeling savory. Just take a moment, think how amazing that feel after workout or after the practice. So every time you feel that resistance, I don't want to work out or I don't want to practice, go ahead to feel that joy. Think that joy, that moment, I'm going to feel amazing afterwards then it will be easier for you to go there. And, and then the, the truth is that we are not in the marathon. You're not going to become Olympian by working out. You're not, you know, even though there is a miniature goal or long-term goal of whatever we do or piano practicing or maybe concert coming up. But the real truth is that I love playing piano. I am playing piano. I'm expressing my love of piano every day by doing it, which means I'm loving this very day. I think that's the key. You're not going somewhere. You're thinking so much of a goal, then you lose why you're doing it. The reason you're doing it because you want to do the very thing. So thinking about the activity 
And the reason we're doing it is so that you love your today. Yeah, great advice. Now, so creating a habit of action, but also movement too. You talk about creating a good habit of your mind, guard your mm-hmm. mind. And then, so let's talk about the elephant in the room, you know, negativity in our industry. So mm-hmm. I f- sometimes um, I have quite a, you know, good group of students, uh, advanced mm-hmm. students, and then they get more harsh criticism mm-hmm. than others mm-hmm. who are doing it for fun. Now, there is a constructive feedback, mm-hmm. of course, Mm-hmm. And then everybody should get that. But there's this insult mm-hmm. that yeah. is just not really necessary. And then sometimes people say, oh, don't be so naive. You know, it's just a, a <laughs> little <laughs> feedback to help you. But this is actually not really a feedback. It's not really helpful for anybody. You know, when you something like mm-hmm. this to happen. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this? Um, yeah, I think when you're young, it's definitely harder because you're forming yourself, your mind. And if you have like, you know, very harsh teacher, if which is often in, in music, unfortunately, the, the higher their level is, it's harsh they get. And or parents, the more, you know, harsh parents, that is very difficult. So I really empathize that the young people that, who go through it. But I, I think we... Also, in the because this is the piano community as well, at the dear pianist, the dear piano community, let's not be a nerd. Let's not, it doesn't matter how so and so plays fast or distempo and how they phrasing. At the end of it, it doesn't matter. But I find that the more classical musicians ourselves are such a hard critic to each other, they degraded each other and saying, Oh, she's not that good. I don't know why she got that. Or, oh, well, so and so and so win the competition, which means that you, there's one last position in your, in your life. Or, you know, that scarcity mindset really is toxic. There is enough in this world that world love goes around. The, all the things you want to do beyond your imagination if you make that action. So that if you, we start to compare each other, competition to each other, that's where it becomes toxic. Whether the, the so-and-so fellow pianist, the advanced students think that, oh, well, he plays like, you know, I don't know, he was like really sound bad, but he won that, that, that competition. I don't know what the judge was thinking. Whatever that is, that it comes from jealousy and comes from the scarcity mindset and competition to each other. But if you think that, you know, just for a moment, so-and-so winning that competition, did it do anything harm to you? <laughs> and think it as a joy, if so-and-so win the competition, how joyous that is. If you kind of sense that joy and get a crumb of that joy for yourself, you can actually make your life so much more joyous. So then your life is much more positive. Mm. And I always find that without we trying, it's going to be always negative. Just know that it's always going to be negative. So Mm. we have to do something about it to be neutral even, at least less negative, because the world is more negative tendency. Mm. So especially negativity from outside world is that I say that it's avoiding is not a sign of weakness, Mm. 
So because why you keep facing the trash, you just throw it away rather than, you know, just look at it and, and talking about it. And I think the best advice that I could give for you for the negativity from outside is unless you accept the negativity into your heart, none of the negativity has that power. It's you allowing the negativity works to your heart. Um, so I think it is important for you to recognize that it's not them, it's you to allow it. Um, so whenever I go get into the trap all the time, but if so-and-so or some teacher or some outside of uh, world to be negative towards me, then I chin up and think, try to ignore as much as possible. Again, it's just not criticism, uh, you know, like constructive feedback, it's coming from love. It's not coming from love. Then, then I recognize that and then try to erase as soon as possible. And also, if I don't allow it, it doesn't have a power. If someone came to your house with all bag of, you know, filthy trash and threw it in your house, what would you do? You would be like, what, what are you doing? Right. You know? But if you allow other people talking bad, and if you allow that, that means you allow in your living room mm. in this filthy trash mm. to your mind. So then you have to protect it. You are the one who protects it. It's not, you know, there's all the people out there that's going to try to throw the garbage inside of your mind. So you have to like vigilant about it. Mm -hmm. And hopefully there's one last can, trash can is coming into your mind. And the same goes with our mind too. We always battle with the negative and positive thoughts and negative thoughts are referred to as cognitive, mm -hmm. cognitive distortions. So sometimes we exaggerate. Let's say I made a little mistake on stage and then but in my mind, it's like, a, oh my gosh, that was a fatal mistake. And I can't recover from that now. In your book, you talk about it too, but briefly, mm -hmm. can you tell us? I think it is, uh, you know, if we are talking in the context of the performance, mm -hmm. uh, performance anxiety, I would say we have to separate, are you ready? Are you ready to perform yet? Mm -hmm. That's also, I'm, I'm assuming all the tips that I actually want to give is based on you are ready. You, you, all the steps that you made, efficient practice strategy, and you are ready to perform, but still there's performance anxiety. That's a different thing. So I'm going to assume that you are absolutely ready to perform. And then, then you, this, this negative voices in your head and to know that the tiger inside of you never going to go away, no matter how advanced you are. Even Horvitz has to kick out to the stage because he was like, I don't want to go to the stage and the manager will kick him out, you know? So it's not uh, depending on the level of your performance. But it's a human mind, you know, so just know that our pain is your pain too, then it feels a little easier to deal with it. And then we, see we still have to deal with it though. And I think that one of the most effective way to any issues that you have in your life, it's writing down. Writing gives you, gives a clothing to your thoughts. If you only think in your mind, that's just floating and, you know, in the randomly bites you. But if you started to write it down, it feels like, oh, 
It's nothing. We, as you said, it's, we tend to exaggerate. But if you actually grab it down and write it down, what exactly I'm worrying about? I am worrying about people think that I'm bad. I'm, I'm worrying about if I'm going to make them mistake. You know, so, so writing down all of the negative thoughts is bothering you. Then define it. Define it where this coming from. Is it coming from my own voice, from my teacher in the past? What is based on? And then also defend these tendencies with a positive voice. Like, no, you're going to be great. This performance, no matter what, it's going to be a beautiful experience. So you actually come back with this negativity with at least five different positive sentences. And that exercise helps in the moment of battle. I battle in the, during the performance that, oh, I'm, the difficult section coming up. And then you, the, this angelic voice that you train so much and think, oh, you got this. You got this. And even if you make mistakes, it's, it is just a small, you just pick it up and get, keep going. You know, all of those ready-made, prepared positive sentence will help you and also write uh, the affirmation sentences saying I am I I'm excited to play this this concert I'm gonna connect with the audience I love expressing this music or you know all of this affirmation sentences that you say out loud it's like fake it until make it and also write a visualization in in your actual performance the most positive way in details uh, on the day, you write it down and sit, you know, read it out loud. This visualization technique is not, you know, uh, unknown to other fields. Sports or Olympian will do all the time before their game, you know. So you, we have to give a food to the positive, positivity more. Otherwise, we all have a tendency to be more negative. So, um, and, and that comes down to it, how we use words. I can't emphasize more about the power of words or how you say, whether writing or the say out loud, you do it with yourself or with others, but mostly saying out loud. Notice yourself, how negatively you are saying, oh, this was difficult. Oh, I'm gonna make a mistake. That was horrible. If you think that it will be, it will be okay because you're just telling to yourself, but it's not. But for that moment, you're giving the power to the negativity. So even though you think that moment that way, just don't say out loud. Then at least you can make that into a little more power. So even when you're saying with others, notice yourself, are you saying something negative about this thing with others or someone else? Are you gushing? Are you complaining? Are you giving a bad energy to someone? All of these things ultimately come back to you. So it's all of it is it's to protect yourself, but it's also creating the environment so that more positive people are gonna come to you. You know, negative people wanna grab the negative people. They wanna gather in a restaurant and talk about negative things. They love that. So you don't wanna be part of it. If you choose not to be in that negative group, you know, you will find out the world is great because there you will see those positive people. Jiyun, you're doing great. Oh my gosh, you're going to do great. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for your project. Wow, I can't wait to be there in your concert. They're not going to come back to you and I go, oh my gosh, that's going to be so difficult. How are you going to fund that? You create your own environment. That's the only way.
And then, you know, going to movement three of your book, you talk about create, dream, play. And then uh, what struck me was the quote, you say, what is success? What mm-hmm. does a success life look like to me? Jiyoung, what is to you? What is- <laughs> you know, it's very difficult to live in this time of era. Everything is pneumatic, you know. So some people will say if you make X amount of money that you are successful, if you're like 100,000 a year, is that successful? Is it 200,000 then successful? Is it 80,000 then it's not successful? If you have 1,000, you know, 100,000 followers, is that successful? If you win a number one competition on Ben Cliven, is that successful? It may look successful to our eye. It's like, yeah, we'd love to win that competition. But then why do they are depressed? Why some people commit suicide? You know, they have millions and millions in their bank account. So, you know, I hope that we are not limiting ourselves to being happy only if you accomplish something tangible or expect of you. Because that's a dangerous trap. Because you can never get enough. If you get X amount, you need another. If you have a hundred thousand of spending, that you will your spending is is so much that you need two hundred thousand. You know. So I think it's very very important for us to think life as a game. That all of your projects, all of these things, like it's fun game. You know, you you push it as much as possible with all intensity, but then the outcome is not out of your control. If it, it's 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 you just detaching yourself, self value with what you do. I don't think the my dream of success is not depending on what I do. Yes, I do play piano. I do all these things, but it's not measure of my success. My success is the status of my being. I do what I love to do in my life, daily basis. My picture of success is not shaken by, you know, if I don't make that money or if I don't get that concert or I, you know, fail something. It's not depending on that. My, I want to keep my mind content, happy, simple, calm, and able to generate myself a self-energy of life so that I'm, I'm in a happy place on a daily basis. You know, who, who can say to you, you are successful? I mean, they're not, in, they're, they're not living my life. If I say, I'm happy, I am, that's a success, isn't it? So I really believe that uh, you can be successful today. As of now, it's because it's based on your mind. So I want to get to your, the recent project, Seum, very soon. Mm-hmm. But then I think the lockdown, you know, of 2020 had something to do with it, probably to get to that project. So when I read your book, I kept all the quotes from the book. So um, let me quote one more. So you're saying in the book, we may need to find ways to deliver the core values of what we do without physical contact, even after this crisis. Many jobs have disappeared and new ones have been and are being created. As much as it can be daunting and frustrating, it can also be liberating to reset one's life course. The change is already here and we just have to be much more active and forward thinking to accept it. End quote. 
So I could not help but say amen out loud after reading that specific quote because I feel the same way. And how, but how can we keep the classical music tradition while the world changes so rapidly?、Mm, first, we need to change with the change.、Uh, we can't just be、um, stubborn. Our classical musicians are also. <laughs> Uh, in heart, right? Because we are dealing with the Bach and Mozart and love, you know? We can be in touch with those music because we have that, that, that soul in us. But we are only moving forward. We're not going back to 1800, where the, you know, one of the piano and recital is the most exciting thing happening in their life. So we have to kind of reassess where are, are we, you know? The good news is that what we're doing, as I said, the classical music is, has the ultimate power and beauty, which is timeless. So be confident with this content. If we, we are selling, I don't know, like a laundry machine or something, you know, if you're really confident this laundry machine is the best in the world, you will sell it, right? Same thing with the classical music, it has such a beauty and power. You believe in it. So then we have to just、uh, find a way to deliver. You know, I, I believe that people will go crazy over Mozart and Chopin or Rachmaninoff. We just have to de- tweak the delivery. No more straightforward recital. You just show up and, you know, no talk at all and play intermission. and... Yes, that tradition is still going, and there are some people going too, but you, that's the danger right there because the presenters and the concert boards are older and older, and the younger generation don't even bother to even go there, but it's still c o n t i n u e I think we are, have to think about people focused. You, as a person who has a messenger, You know,、um, so I think the change might be、uh, more connection based. You know, people want connection. As much as we have these fancy devices and all, and, and all of that, but we still want to be, you know, cozy up and hearing, listen, really listen, you know.、Um, so I think when I even create an album, I create a, a manual, album manual, which is a very simple manual, which is. Can you spare an hour from your life, not as a background of music when you're cooking, but actually using good sound system and read each par- you know, paragraph that I wrote about this piece and close your eyes and dive into an experience? Isn't that just simple? It's, but nobody ever told them. Nobody ever told them how to listen. They thought like music is something they hear in, while they'll drive, you know. But since we know how to listen, because we know the beauty of live music, or just hearing someone play in front of you in the living room, that connection. So we wanted to, as a teacher mind or a friend, an empathetic mind, that you have to open yourself to people, the vulnerability, like、um, the belief in the power of storytelling. The storytelling can be, you know, I love this piece. I hate this piece too, you know, because this has such a technical challenge. It's, it's like, it drives me crazy. That already is that storytelling, you know, or open up your life and ask them to join into the experience. Passion is contagious. If I think, like, oh my gosh, this piece drives so good, 
And then they'll be like, oh, what is it? You know? Mm-hmm. Because I am so passionately talking about it. So being a missionary of classical music, mm-hmm. I believe that any small effort doesn't have to be anything fancy or visual or illustration doesn't have to be anything. Mm-hmm. We just make a small tweak to con- want to connect. Mm-hmm. That makes a big difference to the audience, mm-hmm. especially the young audience. Right. And keep thinking about how could you deliver that music, how to set it up. Mm. So people can experience the deeper way. We are not changing this one to the new age. We are not going to be have all of a sudden drums set next to piano. <laughs> piano music is going to be right there, there, you know? Right. I think what we want to do is mm. that, that just how to get there mm. and empathetic way, mm. connected way, warm and friendly, mm. you know? Mm. And then uh, thinking as a, how much barrier can I get rid of? Is this bowing in between pieces necessary? Intermission necessary? Mm. Is it clapping in between necessary? Question every tradition other than music itself. Right. Question it and try to different mm. and, and experiment and see if people respond differently. Mm. You know, mm. then they want to feel you. They mm. want to feel you who delivers. They, yes, they care about Mozart, but not as much as you. <laughs> <laughs> so bring yourself into a delivery man, mm. messenger, mm. open up yourself, then people will get it. People will get the Mozart no matter mm. what. Right. So where does your this gift of seeing hope and despair and the possibilities and failure come from? But, you know, I, I don't believe in toxic positivity either. And you're not in denial of, you know, failures and despair, right? So where does this come from? Is it therapy? Is that a meditation you do or philosophy you read? Or is it some sort of a religious belief? What is it? Mm, I do believe the resilience that I have is a strength that I have, as something that um, probably I cultivated throughout my life. Um, you know, I, I, I cannot say I only have difficult times because we all have difficult times of life. So, but I, I'm so thankful that my parents who gave me unconditional love so that I could learn to love myself in the first place and not rely on others for, to give me that value to, my, to me. So the, whenever the storm of my life hits me in a hard way, since I care for my life, my own, I got up, started to walk again, knowing that life goes on, that it's still beautiful as it is today. You know, funny, but some, something I learned that when I was young about like going to dentist, you know, like as much as I hated going to there, my mom always reminded me that, you know, the dental problem never goes away on its own, only worsen over time, right? Better go and fix it now. And I think it's similar to life. Life is short and finite. I wish it could last forever, but it doesn't. You know, so the more, more days you waste with the negativity, the less days you would enjoy this beautiful time on earth. And I think this limit of life gives one perspective of appreciation of what we already have. But I also want to add that that is coming from all kinds of conscious training throughout my life, especially in the efforts to see positive, being careful with words that I said, 
with others, or writing and journaling all the time, being aware of my own voices through meditation, daily meditation, and of course, always trying to learn something, wisdom from all of the people uh, in my life that has a broader perspective. And life is never easy, but I think it's definitely some pathway that we can learn. You know, meditation was in the thousand years of history. Yoga was thousands of years of history that all people use somehow mm. to, to deal with this life. Mm. And then we can learn from those wisdoms and adapt mm. and make it easier for ourselves. Mm. And I think, you know, I believe music is one of it to make mm. it all better, you know? Right, right. Absolutely. Hey, friends and listeners. The Piano Pod is in its third season. Thanks to all of you for watching or listening to every episode since the launch in 2020. I started this show with a simple question I have had in mind for quite some time, which is, how can we as classical pianists and music educators present the beautiful tradition of classical music to the 21st century audience in a fun, contemporary, and engaging way? It's been an incredible journey for the last three years, and I love what I do through this podcast, providing a platform for pianists and educators to think and discuss freely without any judgment about how we can keep the classical music industry thriving and relevant in this constantly and rapidly changing world. Now more than ever, I need your financial support so that I can continue my work by bringing you highly valuable content bi-weekly by interviewing groundbreakers in the industry. Your support will go directly to all the costs of the Piano Pod, such as yearly subscription to the podcasting platform, software I use for high quality recording sessions and tech gears as well as all the hours I spend researching and audio video editing. You can make one-time donation or monthly pledge by clicking the PayPal link in the show notes or go to the Pianopod's website at thepianopod.com. As a thank you, you will receive the Pianopod's fun logo sticker in the mail. So please support my show today and don't forget to subscribe to my channel, continue listening, and tell your friends and colleagues about the piano pot. Let's continue with this episode. We were released from the lockdown. It's the CM. Uh, you did the concert, which is, is it a, a concert, right? And 2022, and then you're doing it again in Carnegie Hall, June 7th. And tickets will be available right. very soon, or is it already available? If if this is aired after March seventh, it will be uh, yes available yes. to purchase yes. today. Okay, perfect. Now, can you tell us about the mm-hmm. theme? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what is it about? Yeah, so well, this is my appearance, returning appearance in Carnegie. So I'm so excited about it. Uh, so if you are in New York, um, or if you need an excuse to come to New York, <laughs> please use it as an excuse. Um, so this project Hume is my um, COVID baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took almost uh, two years to make it into, you know, appearance, first appearance to the public. And she means poetry. Mm-hmm. And um is first part of umak, which means music in Korean. Mm-hmm. Um, so my idea started as I wanted to use poetry. I never tried poetry. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to try the poetry. And then when I thought of it, 
I love that idea, although I had no idea what is poetry. English is not even my main language when I was just like tackling these words, you know, writing a book and courageous moves. But to me, I always thought music is poetry and poetry is music with, with the words, you know, that succinct process of editing and editing and editing and practicing and practicing and practicing, making into something. Um, that polished delivery is very much some in line with the classical music. And so I wanted to pair with the poem per piece. Mm. And that process was not really easy, very rocky at first, actually, because I commissioned entire like 13 pieces in my album or a concert, one poem, which I'm going to not tell who, <laughs> because I did not like any of it, what he did. And I was really desperate because I thought, creating something new would be the way to go. But then I was not connected with it that he did. And then I was in a very difficult place. What now, you know? Um, so then I had to uh, dig deeper and ask so many advices and realize that still I am the messenger. I am the creator. So whatever I feel the most strongly match with the peace, that's all we need. I'm not looking for the, the greatest poem out in the world or in the history. I'm not looking for that poem. I'm looking for the poem that reflects the very feeling that I'm trying to convey in that very piece of music, which only I can know very best in my interpretation. So then I gain a little bit of strength to in, in the choosing. So the 13 different poems that I selected are some, some from the past po poet that passed away or the newly commissioned that which I actually liked. Mm -hmm. So each one is a self-selected or some poems already existed. And then I asked for permission. Mm -hmm. um, and then afterwards that I thought, oh, what if I have created something to hold this music, to hold the poem, which was came about very randomly from from a, a friend of mine who's a photographer in his sixties. He's now in eight, late eighties, and he showed me these boxes of negatives, you know, black and white film photographies. Mm -hmm. And I was, what is this, you know? And it's like almost like about to throw away. And I was looking into it, into the into the uh, light, and I was thinking like, oh my gosh, what is this? Like all the nature photography he took. You know, film photography goes so much layers to it. You go to dark room and develop from negatives, going to the same spot multiple times to get that perfect shot. Mm -hmm. It's not like digitals that you can take thousands and choose one. Mm -hmm. And when I saw his photography, it was so poetic. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's the sunlight reflecting something. You don't even recognize what that is, mm -hmm. but then you make you think. And that was the place that I'm going to hold this all three elements together. Mm -hmm. So in, in my Sheen project on concert and an album, there is one nature, black and white, photography projected on the screen. Before I play, I tell about the story or sometimes recite the poem that I selected. And then in, out of this project that I created, you know, nowadays people say they don't have a CD player. And in fact, <laughs> I don't even have a CD player anymore. <laughs> so that is like, but as a recording artist, like that's really heart-wrenching, you know, reality. Mm. So then I, I thought, I still want to create, and we still want to create a music. So I created this package, which is the postcards, 13 different postcards match per piece. 
13 different uh, poems. Mm. And then there's download card of this album. Mm. And then the backup postcard that uh, my request or idea of this packaging was that think of someone when you listen to this music along with the poetry and photography, write a note to that person on that postcard and send it to that person. And there's a QR code on the back of postcard and that person can also listen to my album. So this project starts on my end side, but end on your side. Mm. And that's like the way of interacting with the audience that they may not see me in person. Mm. And I love that idea that Again, it starts from the poetry, it's a random idea, but then turning into something mm. beyond my imagination and turning into some beautiful thing that I can share. But on on top of all of it, what I wanted to share, maybe that Scala Arizonara. Mm. You, know? you know, that maybe all of that is that I wanted to share that very piece, Rachmaninoff, a better way. So... I explain all this process, but at the end of it, the music is the reason I did it. So mm-hmm. at Carnegie Hall, you'll be mm-hmm. maybe without the uh, photos, no. but mm-hmm. uh, somebody yeah. will be reading the poem. Uh, I I am uh, the reading. Uh, 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 yeah. So the, in my concert, there's always the signature thing, which is a microphone on stage. Mm-hmm. So sometimes people are very uncomfortable because I often don't give out program at the mm-hmm. beginning but give out at the end when they walk out. Mm. The idea is, again, you don't have to know anything. Mm-hmm. Let me guide you. Mm. Just just let it go. <laughs> let it go if you want to know the future mm. in 20 minutes from now. Yeah. Just be there. I prepare this one so thoroughly you know, in beforehand for mm. you, even mm. from the appetizer to dessert. Mm. So just take me into, take you to the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I will recite poem sometimes. I tell you uh, some story about mm-hmm. a piece, but the more importantly, you will get a deeper level of experience of the very piece that you um, you never heard or you heard a thousand times already. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be experience in Carnegie Hall. Fortunately, there's not going to be uh, photography, mm-hmm. but I'm on tour of Shim still currently, and you most, more likely if you catch me, uh, you will have that photography. And if you can't catch me, you can always you know, uh, purchased an album or the postcards and experience on your own way in your living room. And I think um, in April, I forgot the date, but if you come to my website, there's another concert uh, coming up in Chicago. Mm -hmm. So um, the Shium is coming uh, in Chicago as well. Wonderful. Make sure um, to check out Jiyun's website at jiyunkim.com. Yeah. Best way to connect with me mm-hmm. uh, is through newsletter. And mm-hmm. so you can sign up on that on my website mm-hmm. where I write once, maybe two or three weeks about things that I've learned uh-huh. in that week. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's about like ongoing process of communicating with people in a written world, which is the, the most fitting for me actually, um, besides talking. I mean, today was very much a fitting in, in my alley. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> But uh, but I think that would be the closest way to stay connected. Of course, you can follow me on Instagram or YouTube and uh, podcasts and all that. But I, okay. I think the most intimate way and direct will be newsletter. Okay. 
Sounds great. So um, then the tickets for the Carnegie will be available very soon. I mean, by the time this episode will be released, it's up. up. So um, it's the concert is at Wild Hall Carnegie on June 7th. And then I hope to be there also, Jiyun. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, Jiyun. This has been such a fun and inspirational uh, conversation, really. And uh, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it every moment. So thank you so much. So before I let you go, we have one more thing to do. <laughs> it's called the Piano Pot Rapid Fire Question. So this is a part of the show where I get to ask fun questions to each guest. Now, here's a little warning. So mm-hmm. as fun and as silly as these questions may sound, your answers may reveal who truly are. So <laughs> are you ready? Okay. <laughs> yeah. What is your comfort food? Ramen. Mm, yes. <laughs> How do you like your coffee? Oh, I like matcha. Oh, yes. That's great. <laughs> now, cats or dogs? Oh, tricky. I, I'm always a cat person at heart. Okay. But I love dogs too. Yes. What is your word or words to live by? Peace. What is the most important quality you look for in other people? Mm, honesty. Name three people who inspire you, living or dead. All the people you may not know. <laughs> but my teacher, uh, Ray Gonericki from Indiana University, David Bremer, who was my mentor, who passed away. I think uh, my mom. Beautiful. So name one piece in your current playlist. Ooh. Uh, I listened to yesterday Arensky Piano Trio. And I couldn't get enough of it. And it's, I think it's a third movement scherzo. Ding, 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 ding. You know, I love that. Now the last one. Fill in the blank. Music is blank. Gift from God. Beautiful. Ding, ding. That's it. You won. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. So this concludes this episode of The Piano Ball. Thank you, June, for joining my show today and then sharing your stories, insights, expertise. And you can find more information about June's work through her website at jiyunkim.com. And please check out her YouTube channel at June Kim Pianist. And thank you to my wonderful audience and fans for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review it on whatever podcasting platform you use. And if you're watching us on YouTube, remember to hit the thumbs up button and subscribe to my channel. You can also find my show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. The links are listed in the show notes. I will see you for the next episode of The Piano Pod. Bye, everyone. And thank you, Shiyun. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you.